Let's look in, in Romans chapter 1, and we'll overlap a little bit, but we're, we're particularly gonna, going to reflect on verses 16 and 17, but let's start it in verse 13, Romans chapter 1, 1 verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So he says, he says that uh, I'm under obligation. We talked about that last time. And then he says in verse 15, so for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He was eager to preach the gospel. He was excited to preach the gospel. And, uh, and I said, Lord, make me eager to preach the gospel. I find myself having to pray for the fire to share God's word every week, every week. I mean, I can't, if, if I go several days without praying for the fire to, to, uh, uh, to witness to somebody, without praying for the opportunity to share for somebody, it's just that, you know, I, I don't get the opportunity and I lose, I lose the passion for it. You see that Paul was eager to preach the gospel. He was excited to preach the gospel. There was a great eagerness to preach the gospel. As it says, as it says in, 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 uh, you know, there's this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, that is really powerful. Romans 10, 1 says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. And if we only pray, I've not seen that we get that, that great opportunity. It's gotta be our heart's desire. Lord, let my heart burn. You see this passion in Paul's heart all the time. His heart was burning. It was his heart's desire to share the gospel. He says, so for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Then he says, for I am not ashamed, for it is the power of God for salvation. He talks about this whole concept that I am not ashamed. And, and uh, um, you know, there's so many verses that I can I can reflect on. When I prepare these studies for the week. There's so many verses that come up to me that are complementary verses that can take this text and and make it more alive. But I can't share all of those verses. And I, I was reminded uh, of, of something that Charles Spurgeon said. He said every Saturday when he would sit down to prepare his Sunday sermons, he could write enough outlines to to have enough sermons for six months. But he would no sooner use those all just like a, a, he used to say as an honest mariner would bring to shore a cargo of contraband goods. If that was his expression that, that he didn't want to use that. And I get all of these verses and now it's Lord, what verses around this do you want me to share? Because there's so many verses on, on this whole concept around not being ashamed. And I'm, but I'm particularly struck from the one from John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 42 says this. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, 
for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So many rulers believed on Jesus. It says many even of the rulers believed in him. But they, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they be thrown out of the synagogue. Now to be thrown out of the synagogue was a big thing. It's not, it's not even like being thrown out of a local church. You get thrown out of a local church, you can just go next door to, there's another church and another church and it's like Starbucks. I mean, you can go from one to the other. But, but, uh, um, to be thrown out of the synagogue, you lost all contact with, with, with society, your society. To be thrown out of the synagogue was a big deal. And for fear that they'd be thrown out of the synagogue, they wouldn't confess him because the Pharisees would make it that they'd be thrown out of the synagogue. So you'd think that the scriptures would say, okay, well, we understand that. We, we understand your pain and, and you're, you believe in him, but you're ashamed to confess him because the ramifications can be extreme. I kind of understand that. You'd think that the scriptures are understanding, but then you read the next verse. So let me read the, 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 the whole sentence here. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him because of, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be thrown out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Whoa. It's, it's as if there's no patience for being ashamed of this. There's no patience for not speaking up. These people had something really to be scared of because they were rulers and they would be tossed out of their positions in the synagogue. They'd be tossed out of society. They'd have no relations with people in the whole area in which they're they're operating. This is of the Jewish leaders for fear of the Pharisees, what the Pharisees were going to do to them, that they'd be thrown out of the synagogue. But the second half of that sentence is, for they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. And that is probably the essence of my fear when I have fear to speak up about the gospel. It's what other people are going to think about me and because I want their approval more than God's approval. Because I'm seeking their approval more than God's approval. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God in John chapter 12, verse 23. And so the scriptures seem to have little patience for being ashamed of this. Little patience that, that, that we're ashamed of this gospel. And remember what the content of the gospel is. He doesn't mention it here, but it is clearly mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. This is the content of the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel message. Brothers and sisters who love apologetics, that is terrific. But I urge you, do not forget the gospel. Because you can talk around this thing all day and think that your sophisticated words and you're quoting all sorts of philosophers are going to have some great effect. But there is power in the gospel message, and that is the gospel message, that simple message that we're sinners, Jesus has died for our sins. Inherent in that is that we are sinners. That he was he, he, he died for us since he was buried, and after three days, he rose from the dead. And in that, we have hope. That is the simple gospel message, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. That is the simple gospel message, and belief in that, that simple message, brings salvation. And you say, that's too easy. Well, you take it up with God, 
God did make it easy because he paid the whole price. It wasn't easy for him. But for us, it's believe on that message and there is salvation in that message. That is the gospel message. And Paul said, I am not going to be ashamed of that. I refuse to be ashamed of that message. And if I'm ashamed, it's because I love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. He says, I'm not ashamed of of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Inherent within the gospel message, there is power. That simple message, and this is not the only verse. I mean, you, you can look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, talks a lot about how this has is the power of God. It, it complements what it says right here. That gospel, that simple message that Jesus has died for our sins, that he's been buried and then he's raised again, for it is the power of God. It, it, it says, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is. What's the it? That's the gospel. For it is the power of God. It doesn't just say that in it there's power. It says it. It is the power of God. That gospel message, that simple message is the power of God. God has defined it as such. That gospel message is the power of God. That's how he has defined it. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That simple little message, that simple message is the power of God for salvation to everyone who will believe that message. It is so simple that people think that they have to have all these different explanations. You just go right toward this gospel message. Right toward this gospel message, Paul said, and I'm not ashamed of this, because this is the power of God. There is nothing else for salvation. It's only this. And this is the power of God for salvation. That's why you can have so many people grow up in churches and be unsaved. So when I go into a church to speak, I never assume that everybody's saved. Never. You know, if you, if, if you, if you would think that, that everybody's saved, I mean, you're going to be wrong. I mean, people grow up in the church and they, they don't even understand the gospel message, the simple gospel message. And, uh, uh, and this is what he, because, and because people talk around it all day, they talk about all sorts of theology and everything without getting to the heart of the gospel message. That's the, that's the message for salvation. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And last week we talked a lot about to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that the gospel message went first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And Paul walked in that, walked faithfully in that. And we'll see that the judgment goes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Then he says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For in it, the righteous, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In it, in that gospel message, the righteousness of God is revealed. Where in that message that Jesus has died for our sins, that he's been buried and he's been raised again from the dead, where in that message is the labor for us? other than to believe, but where is the, what work do we do in that? Like it's nothing for us. We just embrace it by believing. 
by having faith in that message. He says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I want you, want you to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read, start reading from verse 7. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul is outlining, outlining his credentials. So he has to make a case for his credentials. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, and talks about, about about his credentials, and you say, "Wow, this guy's really credentialed person." But he says, "For me, that's that's all rubbish." So let's start reading Philippians chapter three, verse seven. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. There is a righteousness which comes from God and it's all based on faith. We attain righteousness by faith. And this, this confuses people all the time. Confuses them all the time. He says, and I may be found in him not having a righteousness, righteousness of my own derived from the law. And this is in, in, in uh, Philippians chapter three, verse nine. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It is by faith that we attain righteousness. What we're going to see in this book of Romans is really interesting. Because, because, uh, uh, we're going to see Paul, we see in, in the book of Acts, Paul gets saved. And, and then when he gets saved, his salvation is through faith in Christ. But then at some point in his life, he must have reverted back to thinking that he was going to walk in righteousness by fulfilling the law. And then he realized he couldn't do that because within this book of Romans, he's going to tell us about the saga that he goes through where he thinks that he can attain this righteousness through the works of the law. And then he realized he couldn't do it. And then he 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 tells us his story. In this very book of Romans that we're going to be studying, we're going to see this sequence in Paul's life. And every believer goes through this. We get this feeling like we're going to somehow attain righteousness with God by somehow doing all of this amazing work for God. We're going to accomplish all these things. We're going to share with all these people. We're going to, we're going to you know, go on mission trips. And somehow this is going to get us right with God. And then we find that it doesn't, really attain righteousness at all. And this is what he's telling us over and over again. And I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And you see how complementary that is to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. In that gospel message, the simple gospel message, Jesus did everything. Jesus did everything. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. How many of us helped Jesus rise from the dead? Like nobody. He did that 
His father, by his own power and the power of his father, power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead. We had no part in that. He was raised from the dead. And in that, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. This from faith to faith means that I get saved based on faith. And I walk throughout my life and is based on faith, faith, faith. And as soon as I start thinking that I can attain this on my own, I'm going to lose it. As soon as I start thinking that I can attain this righteousness on my own, I'm going to lose it. This is what he's talking about. It is, you start based on faith, you end up based on faith. And is one faith step after another, one after another. And the common cry of the believer, and, you know, believers will come and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and I just don't feel close to God. And it, look, that tells me that you're a believer. Unbelievers don't have this struggle. Unbelievers don't know this struggle. That you struggle with this. That you struggle with this, I feel like I must be doing something to attain righteousness with God. That you have this struggle tells me that you're a believer. Paul had that struggle. And that's what we're going to see in this book. But it's this righteousness that comes through faith. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. This is a beautiful chapter which confuses so many people because it upsets people's theology. Because, because they forget that God says, my, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So God says that in the book of Isaiah. And so we go in and we start reading this in a way that makes sense to people, makes sense to us, makes sense to, to, to our sensibilities. But then what happens is, we then realize that, that uh, um, God thinks very differently than we do. And he sets this whole thing up differently. That's what this chapter talks about. But, but listen to this in Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. So he says the Gentiles, he's using this as an example, he says the Gentiles, they weren't pursuing a law of righteousness and they attained it. Because they attained it by faith. It's by faith that we are saved. By faith that we are saved. He says, but Israel pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. You can speak to an Orthodox Jew. They say, I wear this yarmulke and it's getting them approval with God. I light this candle, I say this prayer, I go to the synagogue and everything is about works. I'm doing all these things to maintain my approval with God. All of these things to try to maintain approval with God. This is what he's talking about. And then, and then, uh, uh, and then you, you see this and they, they never arrive at it. And he says the Gentiles weren't even trying to get this and they retained it. It almost seems unfair to our own sensibilities. You'd think that you have to work for this a little bit. You know, don't I just have to beat myself on the back with some chains just to, to show that I'm kind of sad that I'm a sinner? You know, don't, no, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. It is all based upon faith. It is all based upon faith. That is the whole idea. 
He says the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. The whole gospel message is, it's done by Jesus. It's all him. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. It's all him. In that message, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's all him. And it's based on faith, starts with faith, ends with faith. Every step in between is faith. That's the gospel message. That's what he's talking about. Then he says, but the righteous, but the righteous man shall live by faith. We absolutely have to live by faith. We live by faith. This is the message that he has for us. And so, so when, when you start, when you, when you look at this, I mean, there, there are different things about this. I want you to look at at Isaiah. Let's look at, at, at this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 30, let's look at verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I'm going to read this in the King James. Um, the, the New American Standard is very similar, but but uh, I, I had actually learned this in the King James. Um, back when I first became a believer, actually people, people read the King James and churches uh, taught out of the King James. But uh, um, anyway, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in return, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. How can I explain faith? How can I explain faith? And to me, this is a beautiful picture of faith. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. So it's a wonderful, wonderful picture. So, so, um, I, w- I would say most of you have, have tried riding a horse at some point in your life. Is there anyone here who has never ridden on a horse? Okay. Well, a couple of you have not ridden on a horse. Well, you're going to have to try so you get, you get the sense of, 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 of what, what I mean. You know, you're from West Texas. You gotta, you gotta take her horseback riding. You just, maybe even a pony or something, but just put her in the back of one of these animals. And, and, um, so, so, um, what happens is, is if you take a man or a woman and you put them on a horse for the first time, they're very nervous and the, the horse knows that they're nervous. The horse knows it. And, and, uh, this person is sitting on the back of this horse and every time the horse just stumbles just a little bit, the person's like, I'm going to die. This horse is going to fall and I'm falling. The horse is not going to fall, but they think the horse is going to fall. Think the horse is going to crush them. And anytime the horse gets a little giddy and, you know, just starts wanting to run a little bit, you, you know, they, they grab onto this thing as if they're strapped to the back of a sea monster and they, you know, just holding on for life or something. You know, there's this feeling. And you're just worried about this. But then you take a person who rides horses all the time, who rides horses for a living, they don't even think about it. They just get up on the back of this horse and it goes. And if the horse is a little giddy, they just take control of the horse. And and they do what they needs to be done. And you know, the horse doesn't fall on them. The horse doesn't flip over on them. They just Their confidence makes them secure. 
Their confidence makes them secure. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Faith is very much like this. You have this confidence in God. He has not brought me this far just to drop me. He's not brought me to this point in my teachings that this morning, on this day, on on April 25th, 2021, he's going to drop me and just say, now you're going to see. Why? Would, no, it, I can have total rest in him. He's not brought me this far to drop me. Is total confidence in him. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. You know, I've known, I've known these old men of God who've walked with God all their lives. Just such confidence and such peace. Remember we were, we were at a, at a convocation. They'd gather in this Christian convocation and we, we were meeting in a, in a, in a university in the summertime in a college in the summertime and we rented these facilities for this Christian conference. And those of us who, 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 some of us wanted to gather early for the meeting to pray for the meeting. And it was, it was just raining. And, and, uh, um, and I remember, uh, we, we were praying and, and, you know, we, we had gathered and we were praying on our knees and there was this one old missionary from, from the Himalaya mountains, the uh, Himalaya, the, uh, uh, an Indian man. An Indian missionary, and he was a missionary in India, and he was Indian himself, and he was up in the Himalaya mountains, uh, uh, and he had had come to this, and he was too old to even kneel down, so he was just sitting in the chair, and it was raining, and he prayed this prayer. He says, "Lord, the brethren are going to be coming to the meeting today, and it's raining. Please clear away the rain so they don't have to walk to this facility in the rain." And it was amazing. I mean, the skies just opened, just opened within about 60 seconds. The rain stopped and it was clouds all around except around this campus. It was clear. This guy, there was no doubt in his mind that God was going to do this. He just prayed it and boom, it happened. There was this amazing confidence. He just got up on that horse and started riding. And his confidence just carried him right on through. This is a picture of faith. That God is with me. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to let me go. There's this picture of faith. And that when you first get on this horse, you're worried every little thing is going to, this horse is going to fall over and kill me. This horse is going to start running and I'm going to fall off and he's going to kick me in the head and all these things when you first get on a horse. And the horse takes advantage of you. You know, if it realizes you're nervous, it's going to try to take control. And uh, But to someone who's confident, the horse never thinks of taking control. I mean, you, you get a cowboy, these cowboys that, that ride for a living, they pop up on the horse. The horse does whatever they want because the cowboy just takes control. And it's this confidence, this amazing confidence when we when we have faith. And when we don't have faith, there is great loss. There's great loss when we don't have faith. We can't mess around with this stuff because it's a serious thing. I want you to turn to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. uh, Let me see if I can find that passage. The book of Numbers, chapter 26. The book of Numbers, chapter 26. The picture here is that is that God had sworn in his wrath that none of the children of Israel who were 20 years old and upward would enter into the promised land because of their lack of faith. Except Caleb and and Joshua. The whole generation was going to die over a 40-year period. So it was 40 years later. They, they're about to enter into the promised land. And this is what's written. 
In Numbers chapter 26, verse 63. Numbers 26, 63. These are those who were numbered by Moses and Eleazar the priest, who numbered the sons of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these, there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron the priest, who numbered the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness, and not a man who was left of them was left of them except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. He says there was not no one was left. They all they all had lost. They all lost on this. Every one of them because they lacked faith. There is great loss in a life for lack of faith. It's not like oh well she didn't have faith or he didn't have faith. It doesn't really matter. No, there is great loss if we do not walk in faith. There's great loss of power. There's great loss of accomplishment when we don't have faith. There's like blessings just pile up in front of us and we leave it on the table when we lack faith. If you look in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And this is making reference back to those people in Sinai, because they did not take hold of the word that was given to them. They never entered the promised land. They never were able to capture the glories of what God had for them. He says here in the book of Hebrews, he says, learn from that. You better learn from that. He says, for indeed, we've had the good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. I urge you today to trust God, to trust God. Jesus says in, 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 uh, um, in John chapter 8, verse 26, he says, He who sent me is trustworthy. There was this amazing faith in Jesus. He believed his father. He believed what his father said was true. He believed it was going to happen. And he could say in John 8, 26, when all these Pharisees were coming against him, he said, he who sent me is trustworthy. I trust him. He who sent me is trustworthy. I trust him. I just trust him. I trust God. I trust God. You know, when I, when I started really speaking a lot about the gospel and talking about so many things and, and, and writing so many things and putting up on my website things about Jesus and then challenging, uh, uh, the status quo in, in certain areas on origin of life because they were using origin of life as, 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 as a club to club people to say your Bible is a bunch of nonsense. And so I started coming out against these things. My funding, my funding, my research funding, you know, so what I do is what happens is you guys pay taxes and then I get that money and use it to support my research group. But be glad that is one of the good things that comes from your tax money. And, and uh, um, so so my funding started to dry up. I had two people in federal agencies, two different people come to my office and tell me they wouldn't even tell me this over the phone that I have been targeted for not getting funded because it was, I was pushing all the buttons of these different organizations. 
And so you'd think that this would be the end of my career. That's what they thought. But because of this, I started filing a lot of patents and started started building a lot of companies because of that. And then I get funding from the companies because if you want access to the patents, you've got to fund my research group. So it's sort of like blackmail. But so but I, so I get funded another way. So it, it couldn't they couldn't stop me. God provided a better way, a better way. So even though they tried to stop me, they couldn't. Do you see, God has so much for us. We think that they're going to shut these things down around us. And then God just, you know, we just keep coming back. And this is what happens when we walk in faith and walk according to his word. He says, this message of the gospel, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. This message of the gospel, it is the power of God. This is it. The gospel is the power of God. And then he says, uh, uh, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This simple message, in this message, there is power. And then he says, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Righteousness comes by Faith. Remember that. Righteousness comes by faith. And when you get this feeling like you're really pleasing God by doing, 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 just remember the pleasing, the righteousness is comes by faith. He may have you very active. That's great. But it's all based on faith. I trust God. Like in John 8, 26, he who sent me is trustworthy. I believe him. I believe he'll take care of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. It is so good. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that the Gentiles attained faith, attained righteousness because they had faith, because they believed you. And those who worked for it didn't get it. They never attained righteousness because they thought they could attain it by their works. Father, I pray that you just put that on our hearts, that we would trust you, that we would trust God. Lord, that we would trust you. Father, do that in our lives, I pray, that we would really believe you, that we would have this quietness and this confidence, this quiet confidence to just believe you, believe your word, to believe that you are for us and not against us. You are not displeased with us, but you love us like your children. Thank you, Lord God. Let us remember that you love us like your children and to enjoy that love, Lord God. And Father, I pray for the unbelievers. Oh, Lord, I pray that they would come to understand and take hold of the gospel, that Jesus has died for their sins, that he was buried and he rose from the dead. Lord, I pray that they take hold of this and that they would be saved. Save souls, I pray, Lord God. Save their souls. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen. And uh, as Shireen is coming, let me let me mention. Let me go this in the gallery view here. Let me mention that um, uh, if there's anybody who who wants to hear the gospel, who does not know the Lord and uh, uh, just wants a one-on-one time with me, you let me know and I will be glad to share the gospel with you. And this is not for 
people who just want time with me. Uh, uh, Shuin's the only one who gets time with me. And, and uh, she's a lucky lady. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and 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 uh, but but if you do not know the Lord, I invite you to contact me, and I will give you an hour of my time, and I will tell you the gospel, and you will get saved that very day. Okay.